uh, you're going to hear some good stuff. God bless you, Sally. Oh, thank you, Liz. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, because we stand here in his grace, don't we? And so thank you, Wes. I know he's carried this vision of a deliverance school for some time, and he has shared it from time to time. And so you've done it now. And we are delighted you have. Yes, yes. And thank you, Wes, that you invited Leah and I to take part too. We consider it a privilege and an honor to be sharing in this time with you. And so I realized when I looked at the program, I was on session 14 out of 15. I thought, oh, how will that be, Lord? I know, I know. I just think, okay, God, this is interesting. And, of course, I have sat and listened, as Mike has already shared, so much amazing stuff. With it. Yeah, tick that off, tick that off, tick that off. You know, so much has already been covered. But, hey, this will be revision. Hey, don't we need revision? Yes, I am uh, by profession a teacher, so I'm very comfortable in revision, and um, it's going to be a joy to share with you. Now, I've called this a little different than what's on the program, because as I looked at the subject, I thought I need to go a bit broader. I want to speak to you today about emotional wholeness. That means we want to have healthy emotions. And healthy emotions start with us being able to identify them and name them. And so I thought it would be really fun, just have a little bit of change. How many have ever seen the movie Inside Out? I am not a person that looks at lots of movies, but Inside Out, I looked at and I thought, wow, even the world is making movies about emotions. And so this young girl, Riley, they have characterized with cartoons really, different emotions. And so this is just a little exercise, about three minutes when we're asked to guess her feelings. So it's a good lead-in, but it's funny too. So Margaret, would you just like to push the button? Here it is, with some good sound. That's Riley. Guess her feelings. Another one's coming up. Did you get that? <laughs> another, another emotion, another feeling. Did you get that? She dropped her water all over her boy. <laughs> <laughs> she is sad. <laughs> Here we go.
she is. This is an interesting one. This is interesting. We probably wouldn't have classified this one. She is disgusted. Maybe something she read. Now look at this one. <gasps> she is scared. back on, but that just introduces our subject. Did you enjoy that? How many of those emotions did you identify with? All of them, of course. You know, research actually tells us that, you know, there are over 40 emotions, and for the average person, we're actually able to identify three in our own lives. And so it's interesting to me that Hollywood is picking up movies and exercises like that now, because I think we've come to appreciate more what healthy emotions look like. You know, it's over, obviously over-dramatized, but at least she was expressing her emotions. Was she not? And we could easily discern what she was actually thinking. But unhealthy emotions are emotions that we don't acknowledge. We actually shut them down. We suppress them. And you say, well, why do we do that? In fact, you know, there are times when we ignore them. We actually deny them. We despise them. And you, you don't know me from what I was many years ago. Maybe in my honest, a few would know. I was really locked up emotionally. I was really quite shut down. Anyone who knew me then? Yeah. <laughs> that probably tells you everything, doesn't it? And so the fact that I'm much more opened up today is a work of the Holy Spirit in my life. But why do we shut down emotionally? I think it's largely what we've been taught at what happens to us in our childhood. You know, um, we know, we know the old saying when it comes to young boys. Have you heard anyone adult ever tell a child, a young boy, don't cry? And so we don't validate people's emotions. We shut them down. And obviously in the family that I came from, my dad was definitely the head of the house. He was, he was strict. He was, you know, he was benevolent. He was kind, but he was, he was strict. And so there's obviously no place in my family where I could ever actually share what I was really feeling. So I just learned to shut them down. And then I became a Christian when I was 17. And actually there was some teaching in the church at that time that totally reinforced my thinking. Anyone ever seen this diagram? You might recognize it. Who's ever seen that? And I have to confess to you, I've taught it. But I would teach it differently now. 
Do you know what that means? The fact is the Word of God. And we put our faith in the Word of God and the engine goes and pulls us along. But in those days, feelings were the caboose. And I, it just fed what was already in me. Feelings are rather insignificant. Better to be denied. We live our Christian life by faith. And feelings, you just bypass them. They're insignificant. And it actually did a lot of damage. Because then, of course, I began to go through that whole scenario when my late husband got cancer. And I had no idea how to process what was in my heart. I'll get to some more of that. I could not relate a victorious Christian with a grieving Christian. So the next picture, because this was also part of my problem, beside that kind of teaching that you live by faith and not your feelings, which has truth, but you know how you've already got some wounding in your life, you hear it a certain way. But this one was, there was a whole praise movement and we love praise and we're not knocking the value of praise. But hey, it was praise the Lord anyway. You just praised your way out of everything. Oh, when your heart is even heavy and breaking, you've still got to get up in church. I remember my husband was dying in hospital, getting up in the church in the Majestic with my children and dancing. You say, well, that was good, Sally. It wasn't really. I was being so dishonest with my heart. I went to a Christmas Eve service with my three girls. Andrew was in hospital. And the emotions now were beginning to boil up inside of me. I just wanted to burst into tears. And I thought, Anne Morrow's up the front. She's the only one I felt safe enough to tell. But um, I couldn't because it was not the right time. So this is tragic. What did I do? Packed up my three girls and went home. Stuffed all the feelings down again and just went on. And, you know, thankfully, I had a friend who helped me unpack what was happening inside of me. But let's just go to one important question. Why do we have emotions in the first place? I heard Mayon say we need them, and we do. They actually tell you what's going on inside of you. actually indicates what you believe about a situation, but I don't think that's your baseline. Ah, that's it, Wes. God is a God of emotions, and it just proves we are created in His image. And you only have to go to the Old Testament, and you will see the emotions of God the Father. But I just want to pick up today Jesus, who actually said, and we've heard it so many times, haven't we, that He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So whatever we see Jesus doing, we know He was reflecting His Father. So what emotions did Jesus show? I've put a few up there. I thought it would be fun for you to look at them. And I don't even mind if you spend a minute talking to your neighbour about it. Can you identify? I think they show some of the emotions that Jesus showed. It would not be the whole list. What I really, really love in watching The Chosen is that Jesus expresses himself. He's so real. Oh, he's so real. So what emotions did Jesus show? First one, love, compassion. And I'm sure you can think of times when it was said, you know, it says in John 11, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, Jesus loved them. People knew that he loved. 
and it was recorded about him. We could spend so much time on this. The next one, he actually showed his emotions and he cried. You know, actually, Wayne and I, um, not Wayne, Leah, Leah this time, Leah and I have spent quite a lot of time in Rwanda and they had a proverb and it was, men swallow their tears, but not Jesus. He's our great example. He cried. He openly showed his tears so much so that they, it's recorded that he wept. He wept over the city of Jerusalem because he knew what was going to happen to it. He cried. He showed his emotions. And obviously behind the tears, there was extreme sadness. True? What's this one? We thought we didn't. We'd not go too do violent here. When Wayne was looking over my shoulder, he'd not go too violent on anger, Sally. <laughs> So that's a modest emoticon of anger. Was Jesus ever angry? And he ang- his, his anger was not sin, of course, but it was righteous anger. You can be angry and sin not, but things stirred his heart. And he was passionate about certain things. Don't you love him? I think you see some of that when you go into the temple. That was anger. That was passion. That was zeal for his father's house. You know, in that time, he was so upset when he asked the guy, you know, stretch forth your hand. And it was a withered hand. And the Bible actually says he was angry at the unbelief that was in the room. Whoa. So Jesus, and he wasn't ashamed. He just didn't think, I feel very angry, but... I'll just push it down and just, yes, everything's okay. Yes, and smile away. No, but he expressed his anger. And I've got scripture verses for all of this. You can go and look them up. I don't mind. But I, we haven't really got time today to do it thoroughly. And, of course, that laugh one, I'll get back to this one. But this one here. Did Jesus ever laugh? Oh, yeah. I love the verse where it says he rejoiced in his spirit. And that word rejoice, actually, when you look into the original Greek, means to jump for joy. And he said, you know, um, he talked about my joy being in you. So he must have been one of the most joy-filled people that have ever walked the earth. Because the kids loved to be around him. He laughed. And that's why I love the chosen, because he's so real and he's just so joyful. And, you know, I think God is a God of joy. Our God is a God of joy just by disposition. That doesn't mean to say he can't empathize with us in our sadness, but you don't ever hear any stories about, shh, be quiet in heaven. God is having a bad day. You know, no, he's sitting in the heavens and he's laughing at his enemies. I love the move of the Spirit when joy breaks out. Oh, yes, we need a good dose of joy. And when we laugh, we are, we are just not manifesting what Jesus walked in. So good, isn't it? And then, of course, this one here. I, found, I tried to find a place that, that sort of picks up something of his trouble. Do you know what it actually says in Matthew that Jesus was troubled? In the Amplified, it says he was distressed. It actually says he was depressed. Because if you look at that word trouble, it means heavy. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced heaviness. It was Weighty. There was grief, and he said he actually he actually went and cold actually went and told his disciples. Anyone know what he said to them? Different translations actually say I don't mind if we look it up, but I'm just aware of time. But I think it was come up on another PowerPoint a little bit later. But he actually went and told them, "I'm sorrowing to the point of death." He told his disciples this; those three close ones. 
Is that honest? You know, as I began to see this about Jesus, I just love him. He just made himself so, when he walked on the earth, he made himself so vulnerable. You know, he was so honest. He was so real. There was no hidden agenda. You know, when, the, when they were hanging out with him, he was real. Don't you love him? Oh, I tell you, when I began to see that, I began to realize that Jesus was giving me permission to be honest with what was happening in my heart. He validates emotions. Because we don't live out of them, but I tell you, we need to value them. We are permission giving in this conference for you to feel your feelings. And a lot of what Mike's already been speaking, it's been there. But I just want to let you know today that Father God created you in his image and made you a person who has emotions. You know, if you talk to people and they never share, can I tell you the story about that book you wrote? Just before I married Wayne, he gave me a book that he wrote, and he called it Swing Wide the Gates. It was the story of his life, and of course, it was good for him to finish it before I got married again, because it was all about his journey with Mary, his late wife. And so when I was reading, I thought, oh, goodness me, he hasn't mentioned one emotion in this book. He's just lost his wife, and this, I didn't feel any emotion. It was just like journalism. You don't mind me saying that? <laughs> It was like he was giving it was like it was like he was giving a report. And I thought, you've lost your wife. I've lost my husband. Surely there was some emotion involved. So I said that to him. I said, it's good, darling, but there's no feelings in it. Oh, I'll go and rewrite it then. <laughs> so he did. Because you see, we have to be people who know how to process emotions. Because if we don't do it, they will become unresolved. And if you have unresolved emotions inside of you, things happen. There we just a few. Yes, there we are. The first one's a volcano. I can testify to this one. Because I had buried my emotions, there was one that used to sneak out. And it was anger. Oh, I used to think, oh, you know, I didn't understand. I had no understanding of what I'm talking to you about. You know, this was foreign territory, territory to me. And my kids would do something small, like they might just drop something, break something, spill something like that. And I would get angry. And I knew it was over-the-top anger. It was ridiculous, but I would just, I would explode. And the trouble is when you do that, other people cop it. It just spews everywhere, and innocent victims end up hurting. And as the old saying goes, hurting people hurt. And I had no idea, no understanding at all, but I had buried emotions inside of me. I had unresolved anger. It's a good clue. If you get angry all of a sudden and lose your temper, you think, hmm, what am I hiding in my heart? What is unresolved inside of me? And I realized now, as God began to heal my heart, that there was anger inside of me and it would be pent up anger towards my dad because there was no opportunity to ever share. He would be the disciplinarian, but he never asked us first what was going on on the inside of us. It was just, you've done wrong. You know, you could never share. You know, and I dare say he was even more damaged than we were because he didn't have any opportunity in his family to ever express himself. You get a lot of compassion for your parents when you actually look at their life, but you don't have that ability when you're a child. 
And so, volcanoes. And he's like, oh, oh I just hope no leader from the church. Wouldn't it be dreadful if Peter and Anne turned up right now? You know, and I'm in a, and I'm in a frenzy. <laughs> oh, thankfully, I don't explode like that now, do I? I mean, I don't think he's ever copped it. Isn't it so good that God heals us? He gets a better deal than Andrew got. <laughs> And look, this next one, that was me too. You know, if you don't deal with an emotion, let's say disappointment. Anyone ever been disappointed here? And if you don't resolve it, that disappointment just continues to grow and you add to it and you add to it and you add to it. And then I discovered that it's a spiralling effect. Because disappointment will take you into grief. Grief will take you into fear. And before you know it, you'll end up with mistrust. And if it just keeps on going, you know where you'll end up. You'll end up in unbelief and you'll end up a cynic. You'll be totally disillusioned. And if your disappointment is in any relation to God, you will find it very hard to believe Him again. So that's why you've got to resolve it. You can't leave it there festering. Because it's... Grief is another one. Oh, I, I, I know what grief feels like now. It's not a pleasant experience. Oh, I just thought, if only someone would just come and pray it away. That's after I lost Andrew. Oh, just one prayer, Lord. I hated the feeling. It was just like this great big coat on me. And I thought, oh, just get rid of it. You know, and someone on the first Sunday I was in church came up after we'd buried Andrew. Sally, it's going to take you five years to get over it. No, but in lots of ways they were quite right. You just don't recover from the loss of a loved one with one prayer. You just don't. And so, you know, thankfully I had my friend now who was able to help me process grief, but I soon began to realise if you don't do anything with it, once again you spiral down and spiral down, and I tell you where it will take you, into depression and hopelessness and despair and abandonment. That's what it will take you. Am I right, Colleen? Grief is, and grief comes off you in layers. And we're going to just touch on, and this one is easy, isn't it? If you don't resolve your emotions, what happens? You get chained to your past and you can't move on. So, what are we going to do about this? Jesus gives us permission and we want to become whole. True? And of course, I, I need to say here, just before, I really didn't find a good picture of a demon, but just in a conference on, you know, deliverance, <laughs> the results of not resolving your emotions, what is it? So demons will attach themselves to your emotions. How many of you know that and have already experienced it? You see, if you don't deal with grief and it just sits inside of you, spirits of grief will just come in and compound it. Have I been delivered from a spirit of grief? You bet I have, you know. And you just label some of these key situations. And you know what? I've never cast out a spirit of joy yet. <laughs> well, I tell you, I have cast out a mocking spirit. Well, we were in one church one time, remember that, Wayne? And then she was a leader in the church. Next minute she's on the floor and she's laughing. And I thought, that's not the Holy Ghost. You know, so I remember speaking to that mocking spirit, you get out of here now in Jesus' name. And then Wayne and I got holy laughter, so we started to laugh at it. But the dear woman got free. 
But I'm just telling you that if we don't resolve our emotions, enemy is no respecter of persons. And I tell you, I reckon a lot of damage is done when you're a child. You know, I remember Nicola. She would have been, about my daughter Nicola, she would have been nine years old when Andrew got sick. And it was so interesting. I didn't know anything about demons or anything. But we just had the children around us. Andrew was there. And people were coming to visit, Andrew and myself. And Nicola said, bless her heart, I'm feeling left out, Mum. And, you know, she began to cough. And I thought, oh, I don't even believe in demons. But is this a a spirit of rejection she's feeling? So I thought, I better try and deal with it. In Jesus' name, just loose her. She's just a little girl. But I tell you, that's when the enemy will really work havoc with children. They are no respecter of persons. And I tell you, parents, we have a job to be looking after our kids and protecting them. Do you know what Jackie came to me one day? She would have been probably about seven or eight. Andrew had died. And she said this to me. She said, Mummy, if we had looked after Daddy better, would he still be alive? That's what you're talking about, judgments. She was making a judgment as a young girl that maybe it was her fault, our fault, that her father had died. I'm so glad she told me. Otherwise, she could have been in a conference like this years later because I was able to talk to her and tell you, no, that's not the truth, dear. It's interesting. Jackie became a nurse. Tells you a lot, doesn't it? So there we go. We're going to look at now. Jesus actually offers us a pathway to wholeness. Oh, aren't you pleased? Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can just stop and have a little praise moment. Because aren't you grateful that you don't have to carry this stuff all your life? You're looking at someone who has been healed and delivered. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, when I realized that we may be going to have to testify, I got out some old journals just to say this. And I thought, wow, I can't hardly recognize myself back then as to how I am now. That's how thorough God has done. You know, I, I, you know what I said to the Lord when I realized I needed some deliverance? I said, well, if there's any demon inside of me, Lord, why don't you get the whole lot out? Because <laughs> it has surprised me. People seem to be happy to live with them. Get some deliverance. But actually, one dear young person, younger person has already said to me, look, I'm just going to go for the lot. Let's get the whole lot out. I thought, you're a woman after my own heart. You know, we want to be temples of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to have one demon living inside of you. And I tell you, because I said that, I went through quite an intense period, which I didn't really have a lot of theology to cope with, actually. You know, we were in an era when you hardly believed that a Christian could have a demon. So you're looking at a huge paradigm shift in me. But when I discovered I needed deliverance, that was a huge paradigm shift, I tell you. And the leaders in the church, actually one leader said to me, Sally, if you need deliverance, the whole church needs deliverance. And I tell you, I was so dumbfounded because I was trying to come to terms with what was happening to me that I didn't have an answer. But now I know, I think you said 99.5% of people will need some deliverance. <laughs> Conservative, then you said. 
So this is very permission giving, isn't it? And then I heard, because I was on staff on this church, but the leaders got together and I wasn't there. And they began to try and work out, what has Sally done? She must have a past that we don't know anything about. Because <laughs> the understanding was you could only have a demon if you'd done it. If you commit fornication, of course, then you'll, you'll have a fornicating spirit. But how stupid it's likely you've got it that it causes you to do it. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's just move on because we're just going to do this quickly. Jesus offers us a pathway to wholeness. Now, I've deliberately done the word offers, O-F-F-E-R-S. Now, Mike has given you ours. I'm going to give you offers. So it's a lot of an over, a lot of overlap here, but it's all good. You can choose which one you like. So Jesus offers us a pathway to wholeness. Next slide, please. The very first thing you have to be prepared to do on becoming whole emotionally is you must open up your heart. And I love this verse in Psalm. I have declared my ways and opened my griefs to you, and you listen to me. Oh, God, Father, Jesus, they are the safest people to pour your heart out to. Tell them, like I think Mike was saying, privacy. Sometimes you don't have to go and tell everybody what you've talked to God. You can share the very deepest, intimate moments with him. But I've got a picture there. What are they? Sea anemones. Has he ever gone poking sea anemones? What do they do? And they stay that way. And some of us have stayed that way for too long. Stiff upper lip kind of stuff. You know, you, know, you have permission today to feel your feelings. And the only way you're going to get whole is to say, okay, I feel safe enough in the presence of Jesus and amongst some people that you trust. Because sometimes, for me, I had a friend and she was a very safe friend. And I felt I could open my heart. Initially... She would have to wait for me to say anything because I was afraid of speaking. She would patiently wait because I couldn't always get my words out. I had no idea really how to pray for my heart. It was all from your head. And so God is giving us permission, and many of you, even while you've been here, how many know your heart has opened up more? Let him into every room of your life. It's the way to go. It's the first step on the way to having our hearts healed and old emotions resolved. Next one, feel your feelings. This is the permission giving that Jesus gives us. You feel them. You can name them. You can acknowledge them. You know, I have discovered in praying for people that I'll often say to them, you know, they've got a horrendous situation, and I say, what do you feel? And they look at me blank. And then I say, look, let's just tell Jesus what you're feeling right now. And they just look at me. And actually, I think because God has so opened up my heart, I actually can feel people's feelings. Sometimes I have to give them a little bit of help. Are you feeling this? Oh, yes, I am. You know, we have to get in touch with our feelings and express them, of course, appropriately. Feelings themselves are not sin. And sometimes I think we think they're evil. No, they're not. They're neutral. Of course, you can act out of your anger and go and kill somebody. No, no. But you can say to someone, and you can say to God, God, I feel so angry now. You know, I was absolutely amazed at the feelings that were locked up inside of me. I thought, goodness me, I'm a Christian. 
and I can feel hatred inside of me. I'd buried it for years. And then another one I hated. My friend said, that sounds like self-pity, Sally. No, Christians acknowledging self-pity. Self-pity is very, very close to grief. So watch it. It's a nasty thing. It's when you feel sorry for yourself. Everyone else should feel sorry for you and you punish everybody. That's a nasty thing too. But anyway, I love what Jesus said then. <laughs> then he said to them, my soul, this is what he said to his disciples. He actually expressed it to his leadership team. Oh, my soul is very sad and deeply grieved so that I'm almost dying of sorrow. Was he feeling his feelings? Was he expressing it appropriately? And he wanted his leadership team to stay with him. But they went to sleep. Dear Jesus, what he went through for us. We'll never understand what was really happening to him in the garden. Almost to the point of death, he was feeling that sorrow on him. So we feel our feelings. Okay, that's your first F. Next one. Now, you've had a lot of teaching on this. Forgive from your heart. See, so much of Christian forgiving is from the head. I forgive. Yes, I forgive that person, Lord. Yes, that's done now. I've done it. I forgive. And then you see the person again and, wow. All the feelings get stirred up because you haven't forgiven from your heart. Oh, I know this stuff. And we know the forgiven should be forgiven. Grace for grace. We heard Mike talking about that. But we've had a lot of talk about forgiving people who have hurt you. But we haven't had a lot of emphasis yet on the hardest person sometimes to forgive. Do you know who it is? Yourself. Some of you could get free today if you just let yourself off the hook. Check yourself talk. How do you talk to yourself? Do you say things like, oh, you stupid old thing. You may have messed it up again, haven't you? <laughs> Who's ever watched yourself talk before? I had a lot of self-talk. But hey, a cute and amazing key is to forgive yourself. Because you don't just other judge other people, we judge ourselves. And you, there must come a point where you release yourself from the judgments you've held against yourself. But then it becomes a lifestyle. Sometimes I've hopped into bed at night and the Holy Spirit said, well, have you forgiven yourself yet, Sally, for something that's happened through the day? I thought, no, actually I haven't. So well, sometimes the Holy Spirit says some amazing things. Do you know what he said to me one day? He said, have you forgiven your insurance company? Answer. <laughs> I said, no, and I felt inside of me anger, frustration, righteous, yes. I said, well, I don't want to forgive them. And honestly, I struggled to forgive the insurance company, Ansvar, who pulled out of New Zealand and then left us without any insurance on our home. So he, you know, oh, it's so good. You see, you can get your, you know, old emotions resolved because we want to resolve them, but you have to live with it so that you're living in healthy emotions. And I'm so glad the Holy Spirit doesn't let you get away with much. So the other person, now I'm going to put it this way, because back some years ago now, I was fairly early marriage with Andrew, and some of you might remember, he got involved in electioneering. Who remembers that day? Oh, we had, I think Barry, you did too, didn't you? Oh, there were so many Christians that got involved. We're all, we're all electioneering. I was his campaign manager. 
And, you know, there were other Christians and we prayed and we were working really, really hard and we actually believed that we'd all get in. Most of us were standing for the National Party. But, you know, all said and done, election's over. Guess what? Not a change anywhere. Not one. Except Graham Lee, who was already an MP, he got in. He was a Christian. And I struggled. I didn't know anything about the healing of the heart at this stage. It was long before I understood any of this. And I want, and the, you may find this difficult to understand. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit said to me. A few months later, he said, Sally, have you forgiven me? I said, what do you think I said? I said, I don't have to forgive you because you don't do anything wrong. You know what he, oh, Holy Spirit, he's so gracious. He knew I didn't understand much about the healing of the heart or anything, but he actually took responsibility. You know what he said? But I have hurt you. Because he knew that all the prayers that we had prayed and what we were believing had not come to pass, how we had seen it. And I didn't have a lot of comprehension then, as I have now. Graciously, he took responsibility. He didn't have to. Because I don't, I don't really see that God sets out to hurt us in my, in, in where I am now. But in those days, I didn't understand. So I just said, and I did, I, I forgave him. He could see I was going to build up a judgment against him. And I was going to hold a grudge in my heart towards him. And since I have been in ministry like this, I have come across so many people who make judgments about God. Have you ever walked through a situation when you've prayed for someone that you love? We did that with Andrew. Then they die. Hands up. Now you have to resolve that. Absolutely, because the church will never come into the miracles that we desire if you leave that buried in your heart. You have to resolve it. You have to have a theology that helps you to resolve it. And I tell you what the enemy loves to do. He loves to malign the character of God. So God looks bad and he gets off scot-free. That's what he does. So he will make God look bad in your eyes. You know, there was one time, just comes back to me now, just before, you know, when things were really getting tough with Andrew. I woke up and I had this picture and I knew I was crying. As I woke up, I was crying. Then there was, I saw a wall, and on the other side of the wall, I was aware that Jesus was crying. And I knew he desperately wanted to reach me, but there's a barrier up. It wasn't his barrier. It was mine. You see, if we build judgments against him, he can't minister his love and compassion and healing towards us and heal our hearts. Because you're not going to let him, are you? Why would you? If you're carrying some grudge in your heart. And I know there's so many horrible things that happen today. And I've had people say to me, why did God let that happen to my child? Why did God do this? Why didn't he come in and do this? And, you know, and it's real. But you know, when Jesus was on the cross, he asked the biggest why of all. He gives you permission to ask why. I don't think he'll always tell us the answer. Sometimes he will hide it from us, but you're allowed to say why. You're allowed to express your anger and your frustration at him because I tell you he can handle it. He's had many kids before us. He knows how to handle the situation that you are in. And, I, and there's a lot of things. As I've grown older in the Lord, I just have a too hard basket. 
You know, sometimes they're just too hard. I don't understand everything, but I did minister here at the beginning of the year. I can't go into all of it now, just to suffice to say. The Holy Spirit said to me once, he said, Sally, when you don't understand, you lose trust. When I didn't understand, I didn't lose trust. And I knew he was talking about the cross. When he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think he went to the cross fully comprehending the presence of his father was going to lift from him. So he felt abandoned. He was taking our abandonment for us. None of us ever have to be in that situation ever in our lives. When you feel everybody has abandoned you, plus God the Father. None of us ever have to walk through that total abandonment because Jesus has taken it for us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But then how do I know he kept his trust? Because just so many, I don't know how much time went past when he actually declared, Father, now his Father, not God. Father, you're back to relationship. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Was that a prayer of trust? So he didn't understand. But he must have just gone back and thought, I know who you are, Father. I trust you. I don't understand why this part of this journey is like it is, but I trust you. And I, I just so sense in the day and age we're living in, what God is really wanting to do in our lives, we have to be rock bottom in, in trust. And I tell you, Bill Johnson also said that bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. You've got to get your trust plank in place. Because there are times we do pray and we don't always see those things happen the way that we have yet believed for. Don't believe will always be like they're seeing more and more, but we're, there's more to see. And there's still times when people are walking through that and we have to be there for them. Allow them to express their hearts, but you don't stay there because we forgive from our hearts. So today, some of you may well have to forgive God, release him from your judgment of course, he hasn't done anything wrong, but you have formed an opinion about him, and we must release him because he's always good. We know that, but you have to know it in your heart. So forgive from your heart. And the next one, I know this is going to be this. Oh, there's so much I could say. We're running out of time. Just keep rolling. And so we've had so much beautiful teaching on this. The exchange at the cross. So once you get in touch with all those feelings, you bring it to the cross. Because we know what the Bible says, and honestly, Mike, he just painted an amazing picture of what Jesus took for us on the cross. Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Have you ever looked up that word griefs? And, and when you go into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 8, 8, 16, it actually translates it as diseases. But I looked it up. The word griefs there, and the Amplified will bring it out, talks about malady. You know what I saw the other day? Anxiety. You know, the church, we're just as riddled with anxiety at times as the world. But that word griefs can be translated anxiety. God, Jesus, bore our anxieties. We don't have to be anxious like the world. It talks about calamities. I thought, oh, I like that calamities, earthquakes. He understands all the stuff. He bore the impact of it. Disease, sickness, the works. And then in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, it actually says, 
He made him to be sick for us. Do you know that? That's also in verse 10 of that. Then you look up that word sick. It's rooted in that same word for grief. And guess what? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's the same word that's linked back to griefs, which is sickness and disease. So I've got great news for you. You precious people of God, Jesus bore your disappointments on the cross. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You can have another praise moment. That is awesome, isn't it? Oh, I think sometimes we think God's out to disappoint us. Since I've grown in Him, I don't believe He deliberately sets out to disappoint any of us. It's our human reaction to what is happening that we don't understand. Would you agree? So He's borne our griefs and He's carried our sorrows. That word is, is pain, physical, and it can be heart pain. This is what He's done for us, plus all those other amazing things. That Mike listed, and then it says, and with his wounds, we are healed. So you bring your grief, you bring your disappointment, you bring your unresolved anger, whatever it is, you bring it to the cross. You let it go. Give Jesus back what he bore for you so that you can receive his healing. He knows how to heal our hearts. He's so good at it. You know, you do the forgiving. That's our part. It's his job to heal. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You heal our hearts. He takes the pain out of the memory. So, you know, I mean, because, you know, with the loss of Andrew, this was a journey I was on. But I know he's healed my heart from that loss. Isn't that amazing? I have found people, years, 10, 20, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years later, they're still grieving for a loved one. That really saddens my heart. I know there's a process of working through grief, but Jesus did bear it for us. So we must come into a place of healing and wholeness at some point in the journey. It is a process, but you will get there because he bore the grief for you. Do you believe that? I do believe it. So with his wounds, we are healed. You say, I could never have married Wayne, if I was still soul-tied to Andrew. Thought. Okay, let's move on. Now, I really couldn't find a very good picture for a demon. But hey, renounce. Because you may well become very aware as you work through this, there's going to be a need to renounce any demons that have attached themselves to your emotions. So I thought, hey, if a burglar was in your home, you want to say, oh, hello, Really nice to see you, like a cuppa. You know, do just that. You'd boot them out. And I think we have to get that kind of aggressiveness in our spirit when it comes to the demonic, that in my name they will cast out demons. And we've had so much teaching about that. I am sure you fully comprehend it now. Amen? Amen. That we are people who are called in his name. We believe in him, that we have the authority and the power to cast out demons. And may we go from this, you know, well-equipped to go deal. When you see it pop up in someone you're praying for. You know, sometimes it can just happen. I was praying for a lady once in a conference, and she was sharing something with me that she'd never told anybody else. It was a secret in her heart. And then I thought, oh, goodness me, she's a Baptist lady. I, I hope this is okay. The next minute, she's coughing away. And I thought, goodness, I haven't even told a demon to go. Just because it had come into the light 
the demons began to shift. And, you know, and I've got a little thing I use. I tell the devil if I'm feeling any attack on me, well, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm just going to tell on you. And he hates to be told on because he always works in the dark. So I tell you, that's why a lot of you have got free while you're here because you've brought stuff into the light. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So the last one, have you got it? Offers, are you getting it? The next one, seek emotional wholeness. Just don't stop. But I've, I put that like a mirror up there because you look in the mirror of God's Word, you see how Jesus is, and we just want to be like him, real, vulnerable, no hidden agendas. People know you. You know, they can trust you. you don't, you're not behind the scenes somebody else. You're the same in the church as you are at home. Phew. Seek emotional wholeness. So just don't stop. But let's make it our life passion to become like Jesus and to know what to do with our emotions and have healthy emotions. Your healthy emotions are, they're identified, you can name them, you can feel them, you can express them. And if they're painful, you can lift them to Jesus. He bore them so that you might know healing. And we can move on. And then heal, healed people bring healing. Hurting people hurt. I want to be in the company of those who know how to get my heart healed so that I can help other people get their heart healed. The miracle of a, of a healed heart, let me tell you this, you will take to heaven with you. But, you know, if you have some physical healing, our bodies are still subject to death and you're not going to take these physical bodies to heaven with you. So there's something very, very precious about the healing of our heart. You go to heaven with a healed heart. Isn't that really beautiful? It's an eternal miracle. You take your heart to heaven with you. Thank you, Lord. And so just the last slide, just so you've got it, being a teacher, offers. You got it? O-F-F, exchange, renounce, and seek. And so I don't know, where's this four o'clock? What do you want to do? Pray. You're happy to have a ministry? Yeah. I thought I, I can lead them, but I just don't know what you... Okay, that's good. Okay, that's very good. Do you want to say it? Some people have been told, oh, it's just your emotions. And you've gotten into, a, you've gotten into an agreement to really downgrade and uh, uh, um, denigrate. Is that the right word? J just despise your emotions. And so we need to actually repent of that and actually give ourselves permission uh, to be able to uh, 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 work with our emotions and, and respect our emotions, uh, not become unstable, <laughs> but to actually work with them. So some of them, some people have been locked up and haven't been able to acknowledge your emotions. Let's stand. Do you want to pray, Sally? What do you want me to? What do you want? Me to? I can. I can. Yeah, probably. Okay. Okay. Time to be honest, church. So let's pray. Do you want to just pray after me? Raise your, just pray, raise your hands to heaven if you know you've been locked up. Now, can you just bother once you know you've got some locked up emotions inside of you? Well, that's a large number. Oh, so let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. 
Jesus, thank you that you're so real. That you expressed your emotions. And you're very permission-giving today. And you want to validate our feelings. And you're giving us permission to feel them. And I, I just want you right now to think, who shut you down? Is there someone you need to forgive? And you can whisper their name out loud. Today, Lord, say, I forgive. I release from my judgment. This person or persons who have caused me to shut down emotionally. So next, next prayer, as you're doing this, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for shutting down. I realize when I do that, I'm shutting you out. As well as others. So just receive his forgiveness. Just receive. You know, we're not always very good at receiving his forgiveness. I had such a revelation on Matthew 18 once. If that guy in Matthew 18 had really received the forgiveness that was offered to him, he would have gone and shouted it from the rooftops. He didn't get it. He was still in works mode. So the more we know how to receive God's forgiveness, the more free we're going to be able to give. Like freely you have received, freely give. So receive his forgiveness. Take it. Like you're gonna, Once you get your heart open, Lord, today I give you permission to come and love me so I feel safe with you. So then I will open up my heart to you. Now deliberately open up your heart. You're in a safe place. He loves you so much. Oh, oh we open up our heart, Lord, to you. Oh, oh. Invite him into every room. Just invite him. Oh, we used to sing when I was in children's ministry, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Let him into your heart. Let him into your heart. Every room. Those areas of extreme pain where there's unresolved emotions, let them in. And you may need to, if you've come up, if you've believed some lies, like, you know, men don't cry. What other lies are there? Um, other lies that come. They're just for girls. Yeah. So men, it might be something you really have to do. I break my agreement today with a lie. Say it. I break my, we can all say it. I break my agreement today with the lie that men don't cry. It's a lie. It's a lie. Get it. It's a lie. Yes. And any woman who feel like that, you may have been shut down and told, you know, and just overlooked. You know, just you've opened up your heart and they don't understand you. You say, well, they don't understand me, so I'm just going to shut down. And I think there's some people like that here. You have attempted in the past as a child to open up your heart and they didn't believe what you said and they ignored what you said. They even rubbished you for what you said. 
That'll shut your heart down. It's not safe. But I want you to know this is a safe place. Jesus is here. We love you. He loves you. Open your heart and let him in. There's a whole lot more we could do. I, I don't know, Wes, do you, think it's, do you think we've got time just to deal with people who maybe have a judgment against God? Have there, is there time to do that? Because that, that is going to cut your relationship sort of down with Father and with Jesus. How many of you here would say, yes, I have made a judgment against God? Well, there's a few, so it's important that we do it, isn't it? It's very, very important because God wants to restore your relationship with you. He's hanging out. He's missed you. I feel that. Lord, he's missed you. He's missed you. You've had a relationship, a much closer intimacy with him, but some things have happened and you've shut down and you've made a judgment against him. It's the old trick in the book because really what Satan said to Eve was really like God is withholding something from you. Am I right? He was making, causing her to judge God. And we don't want to do that. So shall we all pray it together? So Father, we come into your presence right now. You know us through and through. And we want to bring to you the judgments that we've made in our heart towards you. You understand why? But today, Lord, we ask you, you want to make it personal, forgive me for judging you. Tell him how you've judged him. It'll be different for everybody. Pour it out. Pour it out. Tell him. Open your heart and say, I judged you in that situation. You let me down. I thought you were going to do this, but you didn't. My heart is sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Oh. 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 Shabbos. Oh. Forgive me. Just ask him to forgive you. Just clears the deck. Forgive me for believing this lie. Pray it. Forgive me for believing this lie. And break your agreement with it now. I break my agreement with the lie that you are whatever. Restore me to yourself. I really sense when I shared that picture that Jesus is standing and there's a wall and he's standing on the outside of a wall and he's weeping with you. That's very specific for some here. I don't actually feel that. Let the wall down. Let him come and comfort you. Let him come and gather you up in his great big arms of love and just whisper into your heart. I know you don't understand. I love you. Trust me. Sometimes he makes sense of the journey. Sometimes he doesn't. I'm a bit of a fox terrier. I go after stuff and I want to know why. And graciously, many times he does help me. But sometimes he doesn't. Oh, so Lord, I just thank you for healing flowing in this place right now.
If you could put your hand on your heart. Lord, I thank you for that anointing that's upon us, your church, that heals the brokenhearted. So where hearts are breaking, Lord, I thank you for that anointing right now. Coming, healing. He's here. Oh, he loves you more than you know. He died of a broken heart so that we don't have to live the rest of our life with a broken heart. Lord, you say you're near to the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. Just see your heart being healed now. He knows how to love you. His love is a very healing love. It's a very safe love. It's a very pure love. And Lord, while we're standing in his presence... Because this is intimacy. You can feel he's very close. Listen to him. Listen. One word from God can change everything. Like when he said to me, Sally, have you forgiven me? One word like that changes, can change a destiny. Can change a destiny. Just one word spoken by the Spirit. So listen to him right now. I sense the Holy Spirit's very heavy. <laughs> He's enjoying reconnecting with some of you. However you judge somebody, that's how you walk with them from then on. You'll remember the parable of the talents, the, the five, the two, the one. The guy that got the one, he buried it because he judged God. He said, I knew, in other words, from his perspective, you are a hard man, uh, reaping where you have not sown, so on and so forth, so I was afraid, so I buried it. Here it is back. 
the other two didn't judge God that way at all. They were happy to trade and to bring increase and happy to represent it back to the back to the to the one who gave them. But that guy had judged God and that determined his whole life from then on. The whole course of his life was based on the judgment he had made about God. So what Sally has shared today is really significant about this issue of how we and what we've what we've, how we've judged God. God cannot sin. It, but that doesn't mean we haven't made a judgment. And our judgment is sin. Okay? So we have to release him of grudges. Just want to leave that with you. Some of you may need to think about that overnight. You need to marinate that a little bit. But God will, the Holy Spirit will just show you something. When he does, you'll know what to do with it. Okay, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'll let you go now.